0: to support same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, as he was, and other little boats were also living. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filled. But he was in the stern, asleep on a boat. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? But we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and it was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And he feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. We thank you, dear God, that it's going to change us. And give us a deeper understanding of who you are and what you're capable of. And to give, you a, give us a deeper understanding of your word. We ask, dear God, that as we look into your word tonight, that you teach us what you want us to know. And Father, we be very careful and brave. we give you all praise, glory and honor. In Jesus' name. And all of those people said, Amen. Amen. you may be seated tonight. This message has a title. The Lord gave it to me this afternoon as I was studying It's called, The Good Thing About a Storm Is, and now I'm going to fill in the blanks for it. In other words, there are some beneficial things to storms that we may not be aware of. It's three things that the Lord showed me about this passage of Scripture. Number one is that the, the good thing about a storm is that it tests your faith. And you may say, now that's don't sound like a good thing to me, testing my faith. Well, it is. Because how else are you going to have a testimony unless your faith is tested? So you've got to have things that's going to go wrong in your life. In order, and and it's by the devil's handiwork, it's by the devil's hand that all these things come against us. And anyways, they, the the thing is that whenever we come, have those things come against us, we've got to understand that the Lord has allowed it. And so, the testing of your faith is a good thing. You know, in Abraham, Abraham had his faith tested. Matter of fact, we're going to look at a place where he got his faith tested in Genesis chapter 22. Did you know what you got? Because we're coming back to it. But we're going to look at Genesis chapter 22. All the way back to the very first book of the Bible. Because you see, God had given him a promise. And he fulfilled that promise. Concerning a son. named uh, A son named Isaac. And we're going to see what God does here in Genesis chapter 22, in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, actually he allowed the devil to, and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham looked at his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now, we find out the rest of the story there, that he does not actually end up sacrificing his son, but he was fully intent on doing so. He was going to sacrifice his son Isaac to the Lord, because that's what the Lord had asked him to do, and he was getting ready to do that. Then it says that he even had the knife in hand, and he was about to plunge it into the chest of his son, and take his life, but then all of a sudden, an angel stops him, and he says, "No, don't do that." I mean, that's paraphrasing. That's where the mountain do Don't do that. <coughs> but he doesn't. Anyway, he turns and when he showed that he was going to follow God, and what he turned and he saw that ram in the picture, and he used that as the sacrifice. And what I'm trying to get at is this that the Lord is going to allow your faith to be tested, whether it's by himself or whether it's by the devil. Either way, there's two different reasons why it's going to happen. One, if if it's from Satan, then he's doing it to destroy your faith. He's trying to get you to turn your back on God. He's trying to get you to do something evil instead of what God wants you to do. Whereas if it's God testing you, it's for the purpose of increasing your faith. That's the good thing about a storm, is that it will increase your faith. There's a place in Mark chapter 11. I want us to take a look at that as well. Still pigeonhole what you've got in Mark 4, because we're coming back to it, I promise. But Mark chapter 11 says this. Verse 20. It says, Now in the beginning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. That word faith actually means to trust, to believe, to have confidence in, and to be fully persuaded and have a reliance on. In other words, you've got to have that inward confidence in God. You've got to know that he's going to take care of you. You've got to know that he's going to minister to your situation. Verse 23 says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. In other words, Jesus said, Speak to your mountain. In other words, he's saying that whenever the enemy comes against you, whenever your faith is tested, speak to whatever's testing it. Don't, don't just sit idly by and do nothing. Because if you do, it's going to defeat your faith. Your faith is going to turn into fear. But as long as you serve the Lord, as long as you're walking with him, God has promised you that he's going to take care of you. But he's teaching his disciples in this illustration here about the victory. He's teaching them a valuable lesson about believing prayer. He's telling them that they need to to be able to speak to their mountain and to know and expect for that mountain to come and move away. And that's what we need to be looking at tonight. There's going to be times when your faith is tested. And when it is, you've got to be able to say to that mountain, for whatever it is that's testing you, get away. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I've defeated you because of who Christ is in me, not because of who I am. For there's nothing we have, no merit that we have (coughs) whatsoever, that we have the standing with the devil or anything else to come up against it. And and say, I I command you in the name of R.L. Love to depart and get out of here. Or Laura Love, depart and get out of here. Or anybody else in this place tonight. None of us has any merit before God except through Christ Jesus himself. And we need to be speaking his name in authority. We need to be realizing that whatever's causing your faith to be tested can and has been. It's already been defeated. Amen? It's already been defeated. It's already in the history books. We just got to reach out and believe by faith and have confidence in God to bring that that answer that we have need of to to us. And that's what these disciples were getting ready to do. They were being tested in their faith. There's a second thing that we learned from Mark chapter 4. Let's go back again to there. Mark chapter 4. I want us to reread verse number... Okay, let's go back and read... Verse 39. Well, actually, let's read verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, talking about Jesus. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And it ceased and there was a great calm. You know, we need to understand that besides having our faith tested by the storm, we're also it's a good thing that a storm is under the power of Jesus Christ. He's under his control. It's under his control. He said, it's just like when Job got tested by the devil. You remember all that stuff that happened to him? He lost his family while his kids, he lost his kids, he lost his wealth, he lost his, his health even eventually. In other words, he lost everything pretty much. And yet, he never did turn his back on God. And that's what we need to understand tonight he didn't do that because God always kept putting parameters around what the devil could do. The first time he said, okay, but you can't touch him. And he didn't. He took all the other stuff away from him. He didn't curse curse God. He said, well, if you let me touch him, it'll be a different story. You watch. Well, God said, okay, you can touch him, you just can't kill him. So you see, God always puts parameters And and, and boundaries around what he allowed the enemy to do against you, and that's what we need to see tonight. Is that that the good thing about a storm is that it's always under the control of Jesus? It can't do anything more to you than what Jesus says. Okay, in other words, if it's in your life right now, that number one tells me. Just like if it's in my life right now. It tells me this that God has said okay to it. In other words, He's going to allow that situation in my life. But now, when He does, I can know this too because notice what it says in First Corinthians ten thirteen. Let's pigeonhole again with Mark four because we're coming back. But First Corinthians, this ain't even in my notes, but the Lord's directing it. First Corinthians chapter ten. Verse <coughs> it Says no temptation has overtaken you except such as common demand. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bury. In other words, God already sees the exit plan. Even before it happens. He's already got it all figured out as to how things are going to play out. He's got everything in hand to say this is going to be allowed, this is going to be allowed, that's not allowed, that's not allowed, and this is going to be the final outcome. As long as you stay strong in the Lord, you will not be defeated. You will not lose the battle. You will not be defeated by that storm in your life. But we've got to continue to hold the whole the ground. we got, we can't back down from the devil. We we cannot let him take control of our life or our mind. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about it in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says that we, we need to have a mind that's renewed by, the, by the, the spirit of God. In other words, we've got to have a renewed mind to be transformed by a renewed mind. I've got to think differently than what I used to I've got to act differently than what I used to act. i got to talk different than I used to talk. Because if I open my mouth and let nothing but negative things come out constantly, one after another, guess what? That's what my life is going to be. Because didn't Jesus just tell us in Mark 11 that I will have whatever I say I have? If I believe it, it's going to happen to me. And you know what? We cannot let the devil have that kind of control over our life. We cannot give in and begin to just speak the negative. We've got to speak the word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, as we talked about a little bit this morning, when he was tempted, he said, it is written. Every single time he got tempted by the devil, it is written. And finally, the devil had to leave him alone. And it says when he did, that the angels came and ministered. The same thing will happen to you. The very same thing will happen to you. You stand against the devil and his wiles and his schemes and his plans. You stand against those things. You, you stand it out. Matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Therefore, having done all to stand... And stand there for. In other words, get ready for the battle. Not only for the one you just got through fighting, but for the one that's about to come up next. Because you're going to continue as a child of God. You're always going to be fighting battles. They're going to come at you from right hand, from the left hand, from up front. They're going to even come at you from behind. But when it does, even though you don't have anything to protect you in the back, God's not going to allow the devil you. He's going to give you victory. He's going to give you what it takes in order to be victorious over the devil and his demons of hell. And so I'm here tonight to tell you that. Number one, that the good thing about a a storm is that it's going to test your faith. And that means an increased faith. A stronger faith. When you come out the other side, you're going to be stronger than when you went into it. But then the second thing is, a good thing about a, the good thing about a storm is that it's under the control of Jesus Christ there's one final thing that I don't feel like God is wanting me to share with you about a storm and that is the good thing about a storm is it will blow over. Mm-hmm. it'll quit eventually I can't guarantee you how long it I can't tell you how long you're going to get mistreated by that certain individual. I don't know how long it's going to take for God to grant you the victory over that situation. But I do know that it says right there in his word that no temptation has come against me, that he's not going to give me the strength and the ability to overcome. And and then it tells me that I will see the victory. Because it says at the end of it, it says that you may be able to bear it. In other words... That word "bear" actually means to overcome, and so we need to understand tonight, folks, that God wants you to stand through every storm. Don't look. There's a. <laughs> it's just this just popped into my head. It's no joke. I remember hearing. There was one time this farmer had some some bulls, and anyway they were all sit standing out there in the wind and everything out in the pasture. They were all going like this because of the wind being so strong, and then the, the guy comes up to one of them and says, "You know what are you, what's going on?" And he says, "We bulls wobble, but we don't fall down." <laughs> you remember that one? I hope you It dates me, but hey, you know. Anyway, we need to understand that no matter what's going to happen in our life, God is. It's already been, it's already been won. We just have to accept it. We've got to speak the word of God. We've got to say it is written, and then says what say what God's word says to say, not what the devil wants you to say, because the devil wants to control your mind. If He can control your mind. He can control your mouth. If he controls your mouth, a lot of times he's going to control what's in your heart. And we've got to have the victory there. We cannot. Let the devil win against us. And God has already said, I'm going to give you strength like you don't even know. In other words, he's going to give you a power that you can't even begin to fathom. And that power is to the resurrected power of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that you stand your ground. Don't give up. Don't give in. And it will go over eventually. I, I, like I said, for my mom, it was seven long years. And you said, what do you mean? That's how long she prayed for me. I was out in the world living my own way, doing my own thing. Didn't have to care in the world about serving the Lord. Didn't even think about God very often. When I did, it wasn't that much of a, of a thought. I, because I had been taught what they'd always say, and that's not true, so... Anyways, I I thought I could live any kind of life I wanted to. Well, that's not true. You've got to live according to the scripture. You've got to live your life according to the way that God says to live it. If you're going to make heaven your home. And so I'm here tonight to tell you this. That for seven long years, she prayed for me. And And for most of that time, for at least five to maybe five and a half years of it, she prayed this prayer. She said, now, Lord, I want my son to come to you, but don't let this happen. Don't let that happen. And and bring him back to you. Well, she was putting handcuffs, more or less, on God. She was putting stipulations on him. You can't put stipulations on God when you're praying for something. You've got to let God be God. And so finally, when she saw that wasn't working for her, she began a different strategy. She said, Father, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And when she said that, things eventually turned around in my life. It was probably about a year, maybe a year later, after being five or six years that she had been praying that other way, not working to out for her, and she begins to pray that other prayer, and within a year, I was saved and on my way to heaven. God. So what I'm here to tell you tonight is this, that she had a seven-long-year trial about me. But she didn't give up. She didn't give in. Matter of fact, it had been prophesied by her pastor that if I came back to Jesus one more time and fell away again, there's no hope for me. I was going straight to hell. But you know what? That happened. I came back before I finally did come back, I came back that one more time and I did fall away again. But then my mom said, I'm not giving up. And she kept praying. And she kept praying. And she, I believe she stayed the hand of God. I really do. Because you can get, God's not changing his mind, but he wants to respond to faith. And when she continued to pray in faith that I would be saved, God spoke to me. He didn't come through a third person. He didn't come to the pastor of this or the pastor of that church. He came straight to me as I sat in that hell holding cell at the Lou Spirit Jail System. And he says, Are you coming home or not? This is your last chance. And at that time I didn't think he meant I would go to hell. I just thought he meant that I wouldn't that, you know, I needed to rededicate myself. Well that night I gave my heart back to. I did more. I realize now that I did more that night than just give my heart back to Jesus. I actually got saved. Even though I had previously been saved, I had gotten to the point in my life where I had no remorse for anything I was doing that was sinful. I had no desire to repent or try to make things right with God. But then God changed me. And he made me realize from the over, the top, over the years, he showed me and made me realize that you can lose your salvation. And if you do, you need to get back with God and you need to do it quick. Because Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. And so if you're going through a trial right now, realize that it's not going to last forever. Realize that you've got to number one. Realize that your faith is being tested. Number two, you've got to realize that the good thing about a storm is that it's under the control of Jesus Christ. And number three, you have to understand that the good thing about a storm is that it's going to blow over. It's going to end. But you've got to hold your ground. You can't give up, you can't give in, you can't back down. You've got to hold your ground. Stand one, as the Bible says Six fourteen, having done all to stand, stand. There for and so we need to do that tonight. Folks. We need to be thankful for the great things that the storm of your life is doing for you. Right now. It's, it's showing you that Jesus is still in control. It's showing you that your faith can outlast that storm, and it shows you that 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 faith will defeat that storm. You know. On Jesus, we're going to look finally at one thing in the scripture before we close out tonight. Let's go back to Mark 4 again now. As he said to him in verse 2, when he said to him, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have faith? Now, he wasn't actually saying they didn't have any faith. He was actually saying that in comparison to the fear you're going through, you don't have any faith. It's all fear. But then in verse 41, he says, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey? In other words, that word obey actually means to come under the power of or, or come under the subservience. And that's because Jesus made all things, including the winds and the waves. That's why they had to obey him. That's why they had no choice but to do what Jesus said. Because when he said, peace, be still, he was saying, be muzzled. Have you ever seen a dog with a muzzle on their mouth? They can't get their mouth open. They can't get their jaws open because of that muzzle. And that's what happened here in this storm. Jesus said, peace be still. It became muzzled. In other words, it couldn't do any more harm than it had already done. And that's what we're going to need to see in our own life. Is that the Lord has everything under control. And we need to see that it will be be over one day. And I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that even when my mom got her answer to her prayer, get this, she didn't even get to enjoy it. Came back to Jesus. Because she was up in my grandmother's house in Carrollton taking care of her. She was sick in her last year, last days of her life. And so here it is. She's up there with my mom, my grandmother, and her mother. And I gave my heart back to Jesus that night. And you know, for a long time still, my mom made me more or less prove myself to her. She said, I, I had so often trusted you. And you let me down time and again. I I wasn't ready to just up and trust you again. But finally, God got through to it. That I was real. That the conversion was real. And that I was really with Jesus. And that I wasn't going to turn my back on him. And that's what we need to see tonight, folks. Is that the storms of life will come. They're going to test your faith. But you need to know that Jesus is still in control. And know that it's going to end. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for your holy spirit. We thank you, dear God, for showing us that the storms of our life are not going to defeat us as long as we hold on to you, as long as we keep our focus on you, as long as we continue to seek your face and turn from the wickedness of our own ways, we will see victory in our life over the trials and tribulations of our life and over the storms that we're going to go through. Father, we thank you, Lord, for giving us a stronger faith than what we had when we went into it. We thank you that you made us realize tonight that you are still in control of everything that happens in our life. And number three, we thank you, Lord, that it is going to be over one day. That storm will cease and desist. Because we are victorious in and you. And we ask all. Before we close out tonight, I'm going to ask, as I always have been here lately, maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe when I shared my story with you about what my life had become, even though I had actually first been saved when I was 15, then I got so far from God, you know, we need to realize that you can lose your salvation even if you were saved before, if you're not living the life. If you got to the point that I did, no remorse, No repentance. Not not even a second hearty thought of God or anything. Just, if that's you tonight, that's on Facebook Live or here in person, I want you to take just a moment and answer that question. Do I know Jesus as my own Lord and Savior? Because that's going to tell where you spend your eternity, either in heaven or in hell. And so I'm going to ask you tonight, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand and let me pray the sinner's prayer with you? Anyone at all? Those of you who are watching by Facebook Live, maybe you raised your hand. I want to ask tonight, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I confess my sins to you. I admit my guilt all the sins that I've committed I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness I ask Jesus to come into my heart and into my life and change me and live your life Jesus in me and through me from this day forward. hence in Jesus name I pray Amen. Amen. If you just pray that prayer, God just got you saved, and I encourage you to get in a faith-based church, one that God is being preached and Jesus is being preached and Him crucified. And I, we do that here at Pueblo Assembly of God. We'd be glad to have you. We're located at 201 West Royce Boulevard here in Pueblo, and we'd be glad to have you on Sunday mornings. We start at 10:30 for Sunday morning worship. And then on Sunday nights, we have 6 o'clock p.m. Sunday night service. And on Tuesday nights, we have intercessory prayer at 714. You can come and be a part of any any, or all of that. I'm going to be glad to have you. God bless you. We love you. You're just.